Da, 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 da. I know you can't even really, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, okay, it's Jan Arden. I was going <laughs> to sing the theme song, and then I just decided that that was not a good idea. Because of the way we're taping, I can't actually hear the theme song that you guys just heard. Welcome, everybody. Uh, so great to have everyone back. I'm here with Caitlin Green. Adam Karsh is in his basement engineering all of this. We're so grateful to have our team together. And we all look forward to this every week because... It's that sense of normalcy. We feel like we're doing something purposeful. And we like touching in with you guys, checking in with you guys, I guess would be the better word. <laughs> touching in, uh, it's just in my head. It's, it's about, I guess I just want to touch people. <laughs> touching in, I feel like I'm like, can I get a glass of red wine first? <laughs> <laughs> well, hi guys. Um, listen, I, I would be, I, I can't start the podcast, our show, without saying our deepest condolences to all the thousands and thousands of friends and families that are obviously so affected by the Nova Scotia shootings. We're not going to dwell here today at all, folks. We just, I, I just don't want to forge on today without addressing that and saying that the three of us are beyond devastated. And, you know, hopefully the next few months will bring some kind of rational explanation which i'm sure there won't be for this but just know that we're thinking about you guys all you people in nova scotia everyone from coast to coast to coast to coast um we are so unified in your grief and grief shared is grief lessened yeah so tough a tough week and uh i've got no shortage of friends and family out east so um, hearing from all of them, but I can say, you know, um, Maritimers are a ha- happy, resilient bunch with a really strong sense of community. So uh, I think they're going to pull together and uh, get together as a community as much as you can while you're yeah. still trying to stay apart. Yeah. It's, uh, we really feel tested right now. Uh, we all feel it. We all feel the uh, the strain of of being tested. My brother is incarcerated. Uh, everyone knows that he's been in prison for 27 years. His parole hearing is actually coming up in three weeks. So we've got fingers crossed for that. But uh, it's a scary time for, for my family, you know, just having him in there with, you know, the masks. Everything just seems so exacerbated yeah. right now. Yeah. Like there's so many things I, he said, um, and he really is a good guy. He said to me, Jan, I, you know, here I am sitting in jail, feeling sorry for myself. You know, we all have to wear masks now. He said, which I'm kind of grateful for. There, there's no COVID. I, I just want to reiterate in there, in his prison, there's no COVID. But, you know, here he is and he's watching the news and he's like, Jan, I don't, I really got perspective watching the news and, and my heart just breaks for all these, these people, these family members and everything that happened. And he said, it really gave me, here's a guy in jail for 27 years um, who's going my problems are friggin' nothing. I, I have nothing but um, sympathy and, and empathy for, for all the people going through this. So, yeah. It's tough. I saw the interview, I will say, Lisa LaFlamme um, from um, CTV News, who's been a guest on, on the show before. And Jan, you and her are friends and know each other yes. well. And we talked about this with her before because she talked about covering really difficult things, you know, like covering with 9-11. And I saw her doing interviews with people who've been directly impacted by the shooting in Nova Scotia. I'll tell you, I do not know how she kept it together. I don't know how anybody covering the story on television keeps it together. I just thought of these, these newscasters and I was like, oh, I would be just a complete mess. 
I would be such a mess dealing with it. And so, um, yeah, really uh, impressed and impressed with the politicians and with all the first responders who've been in Nova Scotia dealing with it. I mean, how they're keeping their composure. Um, oh, it, it was overwhelming to me. So yeah, I mean, shout out to Lisa Laflamme. I don't know. I really don't know. I was watching her do all these interviews, just thinking what a professional. And, yes. uh, and if you missed the chat that, uh, that she had with you, Jane, on the show, if anyone listening missed it, go back and, te- and check it out because she has some really great perspectives from somebody who's been through and covered so many tragedies um, mm-hmm. in her career. She had a lot of great insight. I was texting with Adrian Arsenault this morning, my uh, friend who does the national news with, with uh, CBC. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're a great team over there as well. And I just said, listen, I'm thinking about you through all of this. And, and you know, Rosie and Ian and everybody that does the news over there. And she goes, Jan, my biggest frustration right now is that I, because of COVID, I cannot jump on a plane and be there and be on the ground. I mean, these people that are, run towards the fires, right? Um, yeah. But they do it because they want us to have the proper information. They want us to have facts. They want to com- bring comfort to us when there seems to be none to be found. Um, these are the people that uh, I admire so much, as as I'm sure you and Adam do as well. Just that they, you know, they want to they want to give us the proper information, the tools to navigate these these horrible circumstances Mm -hmm. and she just that was it that was her big thing that I can't jump on a plane and go there and be on the ground and and touch it and feel it yeah I mean and and then like over here like we want to like we want to entertain like that's what a nice gig to have if you're in the industry of you know if you're in music if you're in in radio if you're doing that I just it reminds me of how how much fun that portion of of working is because we fall into the entertainment category and I was like oh because the news I don't know sometimes I think I wouldn't be able to handle it well, I certainly couldn't do it, but I guess there's uh, there's reasons why, you know, <laughs> seven and a half billion of us on the planet all choose to do different things in our lives. We all take such different paths and, you know, variety truly is the spice of life. And um, we, we just, we count on each other to, to do jobs that we would never do in a billion years so thank you to all once again all the first responders out there all the nurses the doctors all the people doing the jobs that we as entertainers could never do in a million years but there's balance we all have we all have to do what we do to make society work um, one of the things that is great, cause I've been seeing people talking about this is the, the stronger together, the twos ensemble, uh, thing that's happening, the, the, the broadcast that's happening on Sunday that Jan, you're going to be a part of, I mean, speaking of everybody doing their part, doing their thing and helping out, um, tell me a little bit about that. You know, this is, this has been a few weeks in the making, I think of getting, uh, you know, it's, some of it's going to be live. Some of it's obviously going to be pre-taped because there's just a, an awful lot of, the technical stuff that goes into it. (laughs) When I did my segment, I had to download an app. It took the guys about an hour to walk me through all the apertures and the lighting and okay, push the little wheel button on the right hand corner of your phone. You're going to want to bring the lighting down. You're going to, it was arduous. And then the next day when I take the song, um, you know, once again, there, there was people talking to me on my home phone that I had it on speaker because there they had like three or four or five people all working remotely and it just looks fabulous like the the i think people are you don't need to worry about it kind of looking like 
a bunch of people running around with their cell phones drunk on a beach somewhere. <laughs> uh, it actually looks very professional and um, they've, they've gone to such great lengths. So many beautiful people, you know, have recorded messages of hope. Uh, there's so much beautiful music. I, I really think um, Canadians are going to love it. I think people all over the world are going to love it. And it says so much about us as a country and says so much about us as a community that we are all together in this and that we are united in this. And I think there'll be a lot of solace to be, to be uh, gleaned from, from this program. I mean, when we talked about it before with the, the one that Lady Gaga curated, that happened uh, last weekend. And, you know, again, I have to say, I think, and I've seen this on social, so many people talking about it, um, about how they're really excited to see again what <laughs> what everyone's houses look like or, or, or how it works or how you deal with maybe a technical glitch, like you said. I mean, I, I do think the, 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 another benefit is people are patient, they're being kind. And I think that if, you know, if there are technical glitches, if someone's bed isn't made, like Charlie Puth's bed not being made during that broadcast. Charlie. Um, Charlie. I think it's cool. And part of it is like, it's real. It's not structured. It's not perfect. It's not the Oscars. This isn't the Golden Globes. Uh, and people kind of like that. It feels like everyone's pulling together as quickly as they can to try to raise money for the people who need it. I, I don't know. I, I love it. I love that aspect of it, how it just feels like it's happening on the fly. Yeah, well, it you know, so much of this stuff is new territory. Uh, so much of the technical things that go into filming shows like The Social from Home, The Marilyn yeah. Dunn Show from Home. Um, you know, a lot of the American broadcasts we're seeing happen from home. Uh, you know, whether people that are doing green screen in their kitchens with a big sh green sheet up and they're like doing the weather, pointing at the sheet, some of the... Uh, the shots that we're seeing, the candid shots of people showing their at-home setups um, has, have been really kind of heartwarming and, and funny. And like you said, this, this glimpse into, into people's lives. I'm pretty sure that going forward, some of the audacious ideas that we have about what makes a life important and what makes our lives special and what makes us feel good has nothing to do with stuff, nothing to do with the things that we have. You know, we're all looking at closets full of clothes that we can't wear anywhere because closets full of clothes depend on people seeing us. Uh, shoes, like we, do we wear stuff for ourselves? I highly doubt it. Like we're wearing it for how people perceive us. And I think there has been a real shift in that, call, call it a paradigm, if you will, a real shift in perception of how, of how we're going to go forward, Caitlin. Yeah. I think that the, I think people are going to be a little more comfortable being, I guess, oh, natural, I believe after this, because we're not putting all that extra effort into event level hair and makeup, cocktail dresses, high heels, all that stuff is falling by the wayside. And as people get more and more used to it, as we do it for a longer period of time, I think that's kind of a nice, that might be one of those nice silver linings where, Hey, if after this is all over, we don't feel like we have to go full hair and makeup every time we leave the house. Like, that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm not like that myself. Some people love doing it. And I think, you know, get back to doing it if you want. If you want to do the full scope before you leave every day and that makes you feel good, then by all means, go for it. But if you were getting up an extra early and an hour earlier and dreading it, just let go of it after this. We've all been looking at each other <laughs> on these Zoom calls without any hair or makeup for months now. 
Uh, Caitlin, I look very good right now. Listen, don't go away. <laughs> We're going to be right back. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. Just so everybody knows, Rick Mercer is going to be with us today, so don't miss that. Uh, I'm just saying it now in case you guys are deciding to go bake bread or to go do a puzzle or something. Make sure you keep your, your headset in because Rick is going to be with us very shortly. But uh, right now, I'm still here with Caitlin Green and Adam Karsh, and we are – Caitlin has something to ask me about um, – what, what are you going to talk about? Questions? Some kind of a re, uh, what is this? Okay. So it's scams that are actually happening. And oh, so, gosh. I, and so I didn't even realize this and I realized I fell for one. And so basically you'll see all these things pop up and they're on social media. And it started with that, that 20 year challenge that was, everyone was doing. And it's because uh, the class of 2020 this year, anybody who's graduating is going to have a very different graduation than we're used to certainly. So kind of like in a show of solidarity, everyone starts sharing their hilarious, Oh, look at my hair back when I graduated high school or university. And uh, they, they tell you, Hey, I was class of 79 at, you know, John Moore high school or whatever. And then what ends up happening is all these online scammers now have your year that you graduated and the school that you went to. And those are two common security questions online. And I didn't even realize that. And then this week, like, and I knew about that one, that one was before. And then yesterday I'm on Twitter and I see uh, Zaya Tong, friend of our show. Yeah. Uh, she says, she shares a little post and it says, you are, you are quarantined with the first artist you saw in concert. And so she shares her. She's like, oh, David Bowie. And I think back and I'm like, oh, Janet Jackson, Usher, Velvet Rope Tour. So I, I share mine. And then today, uh, everyone realizes, oh, wait a minute. That's a frequent security question for, uh, for TD Bank users is what's the first concert you saw? <laughs> oh, boy. And so I just think like, we're, look, at we're home. We're on social media a lot more. And these are cute, fun ways to, to be on Twitter. Okay, well, while you're at home, this is a good time for you to change passwords. So, change passwords. Yeah, so, so this is what we're, we're having this conversation now. It's something that I need to do, although my passwords are cray. Like they are right out there. They're, even I am like, what is my password? Because I don't have any commonality. Yeah. But, you know, like Caitlin says, if, if you've got time right now to maybe change your passwords up, wouldn't be a terrible idea because there's a lot and, of people with time on their hands that are going through names and whatever. And like those, those, those games and stuff they do where it'll be like your, um, you know, your porn star name is the street you grew up on and your grandmother's maiden name. And you think, oh, ha ha, like this is going to be mine. And then you realize you've just given away a bunch of access to your security questions. So all I will say is in this very weird time, the scammers are, uh, are not shutting, shutting down. They are not in quarantine. They are definitely still very active. So just be alert. Um, be very alert. I would never even think of stuff like that. Like, I'm just so naive. I know that makes me naive. Like, even people are like, don't you, like, don't you worry about using all these apps, you know, to film your work conversations? Like, we've been writing a little bit on the Jan show. I've been, you know, working on new ideas and stuff with the writers and, and we do zoom calls and we do whatever we, we do Skype. We do lots of different formats depending on what's working for me. Sorry about my dog. And, um, and anyway, I'm just like, I never think about that. And my friend that visits me once in a while here, she's like, Oh my God, you leave your computer open on the desk. And I'm like, um, yeah. She goes, you need to tape the camera. So you don't have a, you don't have a piece of black tape over the camera. No, I don't tape, okay. but I'm thinking, 
there's nothing going on here. Like, what are people doing at home? Maybe it's because I just think it's such a boring life. Like, I get it from my mother. When she passed away, I found, I don't know, 60, 70 little diaries. Mm -hmm. And one of these days, I'm not up to it yet, but I want to start reading through mom's diaries. Mom wrote within the little blocks, like, you know how they would give you like a weekly page and it would be the first, second, third, fourth, fifth on one page. Well, mom wrote exactly just enough on the one little square they allotted in these old diaries. And I did flip through them a little bit when she passed away. And it was just like, had cabbage rolls. Jan called from Vancouver. Iron dad's shirts. I mean, I'm reading it and I'm going, oh my gosh, her life was the sweetest. There was, n- it wasn't anything internal about how she felt or I'm feeling anxious or I wonder what the future is. Iron dad shirts. <laughs> it's, it's like a country song. It's just what literally is happening. <laughs> yeah. And I, it was just very economical and, but no, I, I don't, do you tape the camera over your Yes, because hey, Adam's saw, shaking his head back and forth. He's saying no. He's I. I always have taped mine, and ever it started because I saw it was an interview with Mark Zuckerberg, and I in the interview you catch Mark one, Zuckerberg so, is the uh, the owner of Facebook. For yeah, anyone he's the that founder doesn't of Facebook. know that, and um, and this guy knows a thing or two about about computer safety and privacy. So he covers his microphone and his camera with tape so i see this in this interview i see in the background it's his personal computer and people pick up on the fact that he's covering his his uh his his camera and the and the mic then the story starts going around the internet that turns out to be true basically it's a couple and they're not doing anything they're they're literally turned over on their side in bed and they're watching a movie on their laptop and a hacker decides to in one way or another access their camera and starts writing to them about the movie they're watching like, oh, how are you enjoying the movie? Um, I really like the painting behind you. Um, you're going to want to fast forward in a few moments where it gets scary and starts trying to interact with them. And they just jump out of their skin. And, you know, you, re- you don't realize how easy it is. If somebody wants to get into your computer, how easy is it is for them to do it. But my friends do laugh at me. Like, I've got hockey tape over the camera on my computer sometimes, and they think I'm crazy. But if Mark Zuckerberg's doing it, I'm sure as hell doing it. Okay, public service announcement. <laughs> We've got 30 seconds left in this segment. Um, I guess cover your little camera with a piece of tape. Couldn't hurt. I will start doing that. Maybe I'll just use Vaseline. I'll just put some Vaseline on there so they can still see me, but they can't really see me. And I'll do a little, I'll do a little shimmy shake once in a while. <laughs> and it'll just be like a big blur. And like I said, might want to take a little bit of time when you're sitting down doing your puzzle or baking your bread this afternoon to change your passwords. Yep. Just saying, couldn't hurt. Anyway, we're going to be back with the one, the only, one of my, one of my dear friends. And I, people always throw that around, my friend, my friend, but he is my friend. Rick Mercer is going to be with us. Don't go away. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. Listen, this is the, the, the guest that everyone always pesters me, pesters me about. When are you going to have Rick Mercer on? When's Rick going to come? Are you and Rick friends? Like, do you still talk to him? Or since his show's over? Do you guys not talk anymore? Like, why isn't he on your show? So I just want to say that Rick has, you know, he's just been in a hole. He's busy. He can't just like leave and come and do the show. So Rick Mercer, welcome to the Welcome to our show. Thank you. It is great to be here. Yes, I'm so busy. Just busy, busy, busy. You probably are. You probably have a billion people asking you to do. Can you do this for us? Can you? Yeah, there's a lot of that. But 
that's always there, but I think people are in a bit of a panic now. They want to do something, so they want to set up. Uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do a Zoom concert. There's a lot of that going on, um, and sometimes it's for twenty people too. Like people just need to sit back and figure out what it is they're gonna do. I'm waiting for the Thunder Down Under to do a Zoom. That's oh, what God. I'm waiting for. There you go. Me too. Right. The Thunder Down. Um, how did your parents? Like your your grandparents, we were just talking before we started taping about a picture that's behind you on the wall because we all get to look into each other's houses and we love it. <laughs> I know. You're very tidy. I just want the people of Canada to know oh, that. Oh, no, no. I'm very tidy directly behind my head. Okay, okay. I swear to God. Anyway, your grandfather, yes. nobody wanted the picture, so you ended up with the picture. How did your grandparents, get, like on your dad's side, where did they come from? Because we're all immigrants from somewhere. Where did they come from? Well, you know, there was, a TV, there was a TV show that was a huge success in England where they would go to people who are either public figures or celebrities or what have you, and they would do their, they would put all their experts on it, and they would do their family trees for them. And, yeah. Uh, but of course, they're all over there in England and they had kind of these interesting family trees. My family tree on both sides, I mean, they came from England or Ireland, but it's literally six generations of people on both sides in Newfoundland, basically doing the same thing, living off the land. You know? so, so it's but not how did, a very exciting family tree. But how did they get, where, where did they come? So they came from like the UK. Come, yeah, they came from the UK. And they just didn't get any further than Newfoundland. No, that's where they went. Did they say, oh, we hit it. We've hit land. We've hit this land. isn't actually where we're supposed to be going. I don't know. We don't know. Like we, people really don't know in our family. Maybe you guys have Viking blood. The Vikings left Newfoundland because it was too <laughs> awful there. That's, that's true. They that were there is... and then they just up and left. They were like, enough of this. And so, and then the Newfoundland, I mean, I don't, there's no reason for anyone to be living in Newfoundland, really. It was, that's not uh, true. It's so beautiful. Oh my and gosh, have... I love it. I love and... it. But I mean, historically, uh, we were there for the fish and, uh, and it's just a very inhospitable climate. You know, if you want to do things like grow fruit. Well, I can't grow fruit in Alberta, and we're like no, 4,000 miles away from Newfoundland. But listen, no one's going to get mad at me for, for saying that because we kind of, uh, Newfoundlanders know they're kind of there in spite of it all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Listen, and I'm not saying this just because Rick Mercer is the guest on the show yeah. today. Newfoundland is one of my very, very favorite places on the planet. I will never forget going to Cape Spear. And I took my oh, yeah. parents and my mother weighed about 90 pounds. And right. we were walking up. It's the furthermost eastern point of Canada. Am I correct yep. in saying that, Rick? Yes, okay, thank is. you. So I took mom and dad up there. This was just before the Alzheimer's hit. So right. she was still Joan. Right. And I swear to God, I saw her lift off the ground a couple times. Oh, yeah. Like if I hadn't grabbed the back of her coat, we would have lost her. Oh, yeah. I can remember going out there for a, you know, to take a look one day and I opened the car door and everything in the car was sucked out. It's like and this being... was way, way back in the olden days when I had like a pack of cigarettes and like a newspaper. This and all just disappeared. Oh yeah. my God. But, but I know was... that you love Newfoundland and of course you, your tour was supposed to open in Newfoundland and I was going to go down and introduce you. I know. And I was looking forward to that and getting you out to the cabin and, 
having a fire and all that. I had all sorts of plans, Jan. It was like, you oh, weren't gonna, it was going to be no time to rehearse. Well, that, you didn't need to tell me that. That breaks my heart that you had, like, we're going to have a fire and I was going to actually see your infamous cabin that's yes. overlooking some harbor somewhere where you see yeah. the whales go by. and Whales go by, yeah. It is. I'm very, I'm very jealous of that. But uh, we'll, yeah, we'll great, do that great food in Newfoundland too. I, I, um, I just wandering the streets, the turquoise buildings and the yellow buildings and the red and everyone, the way they paint their houses. Mm -hmm. Like I tell you what, there's communities in Calgary, Calgary, stop listening now if you're here. They're all like the can of, the, the color of canned salmon. There's a lot of houses that color. <laughs> And I'm like, who is in charge of this? Right. Architectural control needs to be thrown out the window. There's no, there's no rhyme or reasons to the colors in Newfoundland. And it's not a shtick. Like, that's not something that caught on and we, we do for the tourists. It's always been like that. It is Brightly so colored clapboard houses. Beautiful. It is beautiful. I, it is. I went to... Um, I just remember walking one day and I, it was a Sunday afternoon and it, this was 20 years ago. And this guy came out his porch and he waved at me and he said, hello. And he asked where I was from. It was almost like he knew I wasn't from there. It's like, right. Oh, I've never seen this one before, right. but he, he took a little cross and he hung it above his door. And I was like, I wonder what the hell is that about? And he goes, you're welcome to come by. We have a, a service, you know, on Sundays, just, you know, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a real preacher, but you know, we just, we read some of the scriptures and stuff and I'm thinking, Oh my God, no pun intended. Right. You're hanging a little cross up there and you're like, oh, you're turning your house into a church on Sundays. So he just wanted you to come in and. I, I mean, I didn't go, I regret it. Yeah. I should have gone, but that's Newfoundland. Just, yeah, we're just going to come in and read some, we're just going to flip the book open everywhere, anywhere and just read. Yes, the stories are legion. We like I, to have, we love to invite people in. You know, I had a joke that that uh, that we're uh, we're not nice. We're no, we're nosy. We just we just want to know everything about you. People are like, oh, the Newfoundlanders are so nice. Yes, 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 because we need to know everything about you. Yeah, but that's the fun of it. Like it is the fun of it. It is the fun of it. So. Newfoundland, I, I, I just want to know what kind of a kid you were. And I know you've been asked every question in the world. Listen, I'm no fool here, Rick. I've been I've doing been this a long time. I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about what kind of kid I was recently because I, uh, uh, you know, I'm starting to do some writing and I thought I would write a little bit about my childhood. And the conclusion I came to was I was kind of miscast as a child. Like, I can remember enjoying stuff that kids enjoy, but I didn't get why everyone else enjoyed it so much. Like my friend Timmy loved trains and I like trains, but I wasn't going to do it all day. And I wasn't going to like wear my conductor's uniform to school, which he would do. And, you know, same thing with like playing with Tonka toys. Sure, why not? But not, or dinosaurs, the way children decide to learn a PhD worth of information about dinosaurs. I was not interested in any of those things at that level until one day, uh, this theater company came and did a show for the class. And I can remember my mind being blown like it was never blown before. And I thought it was the most glamorous thing in the world. These hippies in a van, how glamorous is that? And, and then they had this horse that went into the audience to pick a volunteer child. And I remember like standing on Adele Parsons neck in order to get chosen. Like it was literally, that should be me up there, <laughs> literally. 
And that was the first time I was ever really fascinated by something. And uh, I guess that's why I went into show business, ultimately. It's like falling in love. You know, when you discover yeah. the thing. I, it was very similar with me when I picked up this old guitar that my mom had. I was like, I, this, this I can get behind. And I was always I a funny kid. Yeah. I was very funny. And, and I just wanted to make people laugh because I wanted to de- deflect any you know, anything that would come towards me in a negative way. So I was always but funny. I, just but want, I want to interrupt there for a second because you just said it was like falling in love when you picked up the guitar. Yeah. For you, it was a secret love because you were playing the guitar down in the basement and not playing for anyone, right? No, God, I never told big, anybody. big secret. You didn't yeah. even tell people. Welcome back to the Jan Arden Podcast. We have the fabulous Rick Mercer coming to you live from his home office. He has cleaned one corner of his home and it looks very organized. Like I can see books over your shoulder. You guys can't see what we're seeing, but we're doing, we're recording this, but we can see each other because it makes it easier to chat. Mm-hmm. Um, did you go to university, Rick? Did you no, like college? No. What? No, I was, oh my goodness. I was <laughs> just, can you just hang on one second? I, I'm what? just going to. Are you going to get your diploma? Yes. Just hang on. Yeah. No. Okay. Rick is just, he's just gone to get something. So Caitlin, I'll just talk to you for a second. Um, Hello. <laughs> and Caitlin is still in her bathroom on the bathroom floor. I love these podcasts. I love the show. I love that. I'm, I, we're now sitting on our phones and I'm like, oh, great. This is a nice regular call. Here's Rick Mercer joining us. And I'm on the bathroom floor next to my toilet. Perfect. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> he's back. This is what uh, my mother gave me these a little while ago, and they're my report cards. Oh, my God. This is what I had. And my mother, and I thought, oh, my mother saved all my report cards. And then if you look at them, I think, why in God's name did she save these? They're like a cry, a, a cry for help from my teachers. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's on. Do tell. Like, there's been some improvement in Rick's behavior and attitude, but consistency is lacking. He has a long way to go as well. His marks are unsatisfactory low. Every single, like, how did I, I got 42 in typing. I was put in typing in grade eight. Well, who knew we'd freaking need typing? Like, who I know. knew? And listen, these are the, these are the, uh, this is my high school marks uh, comments. A regular attendance is a concern. Continue effort needed. More effort needed. Capable of better work. Underachieving. A regular attendance needs more effort needed. It just goes on and on. Okay, that might as well be Richard Branson they're reading about because that is very typical to any successful person's story. In grade grade 11, I almost failed theater arts. (laughs) just terrible so I was a terrible student but I didn't know how to be a good student like I actually became a hard worker after school um, uh, when I got involved in writing and performing I became a hard worker very disciplined I think but I just wasn't I didn't have any discipline at all during school but don't you think it's because you were just like a daydreamer I I was terrible academically but I really loved school oh I slept I oh god I was just I in there sleep, like a bee I can sleep standing sitting up this is a skill I've always had. And so all through school, that's what I would do. I'd just go in, sit down, close my eyes, and go to sleep. But when you were traveling the country endlessly, yes. John and the gang and John, yes. and you needed to sleep sitting up because oh, yeah. the places that you went, you'd start on big planes, they would go to medium planes, they'd go to small planes, and then you were like sure. on hang gliding into some of these jobs. Yeah. 
yeah and then and then a lot of time and yeah it really did serve me well actually sleeping <laughs> and i always get enough sleep i always have i don't i'm not life. a good sleeper i uh, uh i'm not a good sleeper at all and especially now what about i'm just these like apps? What about these apps? I'm doing the Calm app. We've talked about the Calm app on the show before where somebody reads you a story. I would, you'd be great at reading stories for apps. I'm going to contact the Calm people and say, Rick Mercer, because I would listen to because you have a great, Newfoundlanders probably don't think they have an accent, but you guys have a great accent. Could I read a story, like a Calm story? Yes. Suddenly on page five, go, ah! No. Like suddenly get really dramatic. Yeah. yeah. No. You, yeah. They, they might fire you on the spot yeah. and it might become one what of the least. Stories? Well, you know, people read about getting on a train, the Orient Express, and they start you off on the, the platform where you, where the red carpet is rolled. I don't, I forget the Orient Express, I think has like a blue carpet that you walk on and they talk about the walnut fittings and it's like just this thing. And you could talk about literally walking around Newfoundland at Cape Spear and talking about the crap blowing out of your car, but in a calm voice. In a calm voice. The car door I like opened. That idea. And I think I was smoking at the time, and my cigarettes flew out the door. Like, it's quite erotic as well. Is this the point in the podcast? Because every time we're together, at least once, I say to you, when are we going to write a song together? You, you've been avoiding this for years. And now there's a pandemic. Like, what, what excuse do you possibly have? Okay, this is what we're going to do. And you're yeah. hearing it from me live right now. Yeah. Send me one stanza. We're going to start with the lyric. Okay. Send me a stanza. And be serious about it. And I'm, I going to, I'm going to write music for it. Okay. In the next 24 hours, I'm going to sit here with my guitar Right. And I'm going to write a melody and I'm going to record it and I'm going to send it back to you. And you no. can tell me, yeah, we are. We're going to, we are going to friggin' do this. We like owe it Bernie to each other. Elton. Well, we owe it to each other to see if we really are. Yeah. Topin so do and I write John. It, I, and I have to write it as I'm writing a stanza and I'm thinking this is a Jan Arden song. No, do don't, Wouldn't don't it? think in those terms. I, I think you should be, it's going to get Jan Ardenized anyways, because even when I try not to write like me, I write like me. Yeah, of but course. you write the lyric. Okay. And, and I'll write the music, and then we can okay. go back and forth, and then you might want to tweak it. Can we go up here? Can we repeat that? Oh, can we do a God. yeah, yeah there? Is that what musicians do? I never write with anybody, so I don't know. You don't, do you? So this is a huge honor. Whenever I've written with Buble, he just sends me music, and he'll, he'll say to mm. me, I want this to be about my wife. He has a couple of lines in there that he likes, he has such a sense of structure. And uh, then I just like scribble out lyrics and send them back to him. Well, as soon as this is over, I'm going to Google and find out what a stanza is. Well, I just mean like a paragraph, like a, a I verse. Gotcha. I got Sorry, you. I should, I don't even know why I said stanza. Why am no, I being I, all fancy? I know what a stanza is. <laughs> well, I don't know what a stanza is. Did you, did you, so you went to theater arts. Yeah. Did you want to write plays? Rick, I was so scared about not knowing what I wanted to do. I thought someone who was kind of homely like me, short, whatever, chubby. Actually, I wasn't chubby at 18. I was like, I bet you I was, were I was like Xena, the warrior child. I, was I so bet you fit. were gorgeous. And I think everyone looks back at themselves when they're 18 and goes, I was kind of hot. 
I just, I, yeah, They never exactly. think that at the time. Yeah, well, my mom said, I don't know why you're not showing your arms now, because in 20 years, then you'll be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I didn't, I was mortified. I didn't know what to do with myself. It's like you, I think you, you were hit with that bug, that theater acting, because you were so involved with Codco. I mean, you were a teenager. You were doing stand-up and stuff like that, weren't you? Like, you just plowed into it. I was doing sketch comedy. We, we, the theater group that I was hanging out with, we started doing sketches. And of course, when you're 16, 17, you want to be outrageous. So you were saying all sorts of outrageous things. And our, our theater teacher said, you can't do this here in school anymore. Like, we're, we're just all going to get in too much trouble. So she said, go downtown. There was a theater down there called the LSQ Hall. And we started doing shows. And then we kind of fashioned ourselves on this group called the Wonderful Grand Band. So we got a rock band. And there was like music and sketches and we would play bars. And that's what we did. Like play, play to who? To other young people who shouldn't have been in bars. Like it was ridiculous. Half the high school. There was this one bar called Bounders. And it was this bar that was essentially empty. And we went in and convinced the owner that they should book punk rock and comedy. And everyone in my high school drank in this bar. It was ridiculous. And we would host the shows. I remember we did a Halloween show. And... Uh, I was brought out in a coffin. Oh, and Jesus. Andrew Young Husband, Andrew Young Husband, uh, who was in the comedy troupe, was Young horrified. Husband? Yeah, Young Husband. He's, Is he the last on, name? Yeah, he hosted um, Canada's Worst Driver. But uh, anyway, he was horrified that I would lie in this coffin. I was like, it's not a real coffin. They carried me out. He was like, I could never get in a coffin. Oh, my God, that's terrifying. And, uh, he was just totally freaked out about it. And other people got in the coffin as well throughout the night, everyone's like, glug, glug, glug. Anyway, Andrew, near the end of the night, gets in the coffin and passes out. So someone closes the coffin because that would be hysterical. And he woke up at four in the morning in the coffin, the bar closed. I would have died. Well, there you go. I, I would have died in the coffin. So Imagine I would have been ready. Laid a, a PV amp on top of the coffin or something. And he ran home and he had to go to school the next day because his deal with his parents was he was allowed to uh, play in the bars, but he always had to go to school the next day and he wasn't allowed to drink. Well, that's so he, fair. Well, but he did drink. That's why he was passed out in the coffin. But he, uh, he did go to school the next day. I remember he was really freaked out. I have so many drinking stories that make my head like want to spin off my body. The most Canadian drinking story that I have in my life. And I don't think I've ever told anybody this, but I'm going to tell you, Rick. Okay. And I'm, well, you and, a, you and the listeners. Okay. I got so hammered. I believe I was in my very early 20s. I was out here in Springbank, Alberta. You've been out here in my, in yep. my uh, home. I had sex with a guy in a hockey net that was turned upside down. <laughs> <laughs> and we kept going through the holes. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't mean to say that. I meant the... Okay, sorry. I the the, the net. It was a net. That man was Ralph Klein. So his that man was not Ralph Klein. That man was not Ralph Klein. Okay. Sorry, my dog is now barking. But I just remember it being very uncomfortable, and my arm kept slipping through, and he was trying to hang on to like the posts (laughs) on the side. So you know you're too young or immature to have sex when you're thinking. On an upside-down hockey net. How is this a good idea? But that truly, as I look back at my fine character now, 
Yes. That is the most Canadian drinking story that I have. And then I think he threw up. (laughs) (laughs) Because he hadn't drank enough. And a lot of times, if the fellas wanted to drink more here in Springbank, Alberta, you'd have to throw up in order to, like, have a few beers and feel okay about it. Like, I just, why am I, why are we alive? I don't know. Okay, oh, we I have one minute, and it's all yours. I want to, What's your most Canadian drinking story? I, I think I, it's hard to top that. I think that that's the most ridiculous thing. I uh, I don't really have a lot of them. No, you were a good guy. You were you were reasonable. I'm sorry, I put you on the spot. No, no, I was reasonable when it came to that stuff. And that's it, folks. He was reasonable. I have <laughs> never seen you drunk in my life. Did you yeah. know me when I was drinking? You must have. Yeah. You know what? I was hung over going up CN Tower with you. I know we have like 30 seconds left, but sure. I was so, so on top of being on top of the CN Tower, I was yeah. so hung over. I don't drink anymore, folks. And now I you know. can, now you know why. Yeah. And you're happier now. Oh gosh. I, yeah. I'd be super happy if there wasn't a pandemic. I think I'd, you know, be super, super happy, but I'm happy that you were our guest today. Cause now I'm we have happy. like I'm happy 15 that, seconds. To be here. Rick Mercer, we still have adventures to go on. We sure you do. You and me. We're, we're an act, right? Yes. Okay, folks, stay tuned. Rick and I, we're going to think of something. Maybe we're going to do a variety show. We haven't decided yet. Like a little, a little soft shoe, a little singing and dancing. Or a musical. A musical. Send me your stanza. I will. I'm going to get working on it. Uh, you've been listening to the Jen Arden Podcast. I've been talking to my friend. The fabulous, talented, amazing Rick Mercer. We'll see you next time. Who do we do? This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.